The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears my voice. He hears my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call to him all my days. The ropes of death entangled me. The walls of the grave hemmed me in. I found distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, please save my life. The Lord is gracious and righteous, and our God is compassionate. The Lord protects the inexperienced. In my weakness, he saves me too. Return my soul to your rest, for the Lord has accomplished his purpose for you. Indeed, you have delivered my soul from death, my eye from weeping, my foot from stumbling, so that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken. I am greatly afflicted. In my haste, I said, all people are deceptive. How can I repay the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all of his people. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his favored ones. Ah, Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You opened my chains. To you I will sacrifice a thank offering, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord, here in the presence of all his people, in the courtyards of the house of the Lord, in the middle of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. If we had been able to gather for worship this Sunday, our Old Testament lesson was when God calls on Ezekiel to announce to the dry bones that they are to get up. And as Ezekiel speaks, life is brought back into bones that had been dead so long they were bleached from being baked in the sun. In our gospel lesson, our Lord goes to the tomb of Lazarus who had been dead for four days and he raises Lazarus from the grave. We are building up to Easter. We're building up first to Good Friday in which our Lord Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. And it should have become clear to the Sanhedrin that this man was not going to stay dead when he could raise people to life. Because he is the Lord of life. Today's text sees not only is God going to give us new bodies and raise us from the grave, but it shows how he can even deliver us from death now. Allow me to read my own translation. Verse 3 says, The cords of death entangled me, the straits of the grave found me, and I keep on finding grief. The straits of the grave found me. That's the picture of a wall squeezing in like when we see in the Hollywood movies and the hero is trapped. He's wrapped up in death like a net and he can't get out and the walls are squeezing in and he's finding great grief. But this whole psalm he gives thanks because he's been delivered. And so our theme is, be at peace. The Lord hears your prayers. And we'll see that we call on the name of the Lord. We be at peace because God is good to you. And we return thanks for all God's goodness. And so our text begins, I love because the Lord keeps on hearing my voice, namely my supplications. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters in Christ? Why do I love my children? Because they're my children. But do you love a stranger on the street, especially one that you don't know and maybe even avoids you? God gives us a reason to love him. And the reason why he hears our prayers is because he took on human flesh to save us, to remove our sins. Literally, the Hebrew of verse 4 says, because he caused his ear to be stretched out to me, I also keep on calling in all my days. 
When a father wants to hear his child and the child is timid and is kind of whispering, he would, by the Hebrew way of thinking, would stretch out his ear by bending down and putting his ear near that child. See, you and I had sin blocking us. Oh, God can hear everything. He knows everything because he's God. He's all-knowing. But he doesn't hear your prayers in a way in which he responds as a loving father unless he could remove your sin. And so he bent down, if you will, stooped all the way down to the earth to take on our human flesh so that he could live righteously for you. And yes, he bore the punishment for your sin on the cross. His righteousness has been given to you. His blood washes away your unholiness. And now, just like the psalmist, you can be confident that the Lord hears your prayers. And so you can keep on calling on him any time, like a child cries out, Daddy, in the middle of the night when they're afraid, or like a child cries out to their mother with love. You can do so to your Lord because he hears your prayers and he loves you. And so verse 3 says, The cords of death entangled me, and the straits of the grave found me, and I keep on finding grief, and I keep on calling on the name of the Lord. I beg of you, O Lord, deliver my soul. Maybe right now with the coronavirus, you're nervous. Maybe you're afraid because you're one of the people that has the weaknesses that especially leads to the coronavirus hospitalizing or worse. Maybe you're nervous because people are hoarding food and you're not able to get some of the groceries you need. Keep on calling on the name of the Lord. And what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? God's names tell us everything he does for us. The name used here for Lord is the name that emphasizes that God exists in and of himself. Nothing can stop him from keeping his promises. It's the name he uses of himself when he assures us that he fulfills his covenant. And he's made a covenant with you. He's made a covenant with the world. That he gave his son for us that whoever loves him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so his names remind you of all the work he does for you. And there the psalmist calls on the name of the Lord saying, I call on the work you do for me. Just like Father reminds you, he's there to provide and take care of us. So he says, I beg of you, O Lord, deliver my soul. In the Hebrew word used there for soul, that's very existence. It's, it's not just your soul in the afterlife, it's your life now. God takes care of your physical life and your spiritual life now. And because Jesus did rise from the grave, he's going to take care of your eternal life and he will give you a new and glorified body. So now you have a reason to continue calling on the name of the Lord for your needs now. And so verse 5 says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Indeed, our God is compassionate. That's amazing for us to be reminded because if we want to demand things of God, if we think we're entitled to things, to God's gracious care, we're in trouble. If we think God owes it to us, if we get what God owes to us, we're going to get a whole lot of punishment for sin. But instead, God has credited you with his righteousness. He's been merciful, and he looks at us in our sin. He looks at us in the misery of this world that he allowed to be subject to decay, and he has compassion on us. Verse 6 says, The Lord watches over the simple-hearted. I am helpless, and you keep on saving me. That Hebrew word for simple-hearted, we call that the childlike faith. The faith that says God says so and therefore it must be. In other words, lots of times people look down at Christians and they think, oh, they're such simpletons. 
But you know, the problem I have is I constantly have to ask why and have to understand how could God possibly deliver me from this problem? How could God take care of the world with the coronavirus and why is he even allowing this? But the simple-hearted is the one who says, the Lord has promised he has a plan. The Lord is good. The Lord is gracious. I will trust in him and not be afraid. And the psalmist says, I'm helpless and you keep on saving me. We're stuck in the mire of our sin. We're stuck with such awful things in this world as the coronavirus. But God reaches down his hand and he says, I'll rescue you. Sometimes his rescue means he's giving us eternal life. Sometimes his rescue means we can see now or maybe in the future how he's providing for us. But be at peace. The Lord hears your prayers. Call on the name of the Lord. And then the psalmist says in verse 7, Return, O my soul, to your place of rest, for the Lord rendered good to you. The psalmist here has been rescued after being wrapped in the cords of death, getting that taste of death. And yet now he can say his soul, his very existence, the spark of life, not just worrying, am I going to be eternally saved, but worrying, am I going to be okay now? And he says to his soul there, be at rest. God's got this. Don't be agitated anymore. No need for concern. The Lord rendered good to you. God has given good to you. The proof of that is already, as I mentioned, that he took on human flesh and bore your sins so that you can have eternal life. And so he says to God here, For you rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Not just from eternal death, but he saved him from temporal earthly death. And he saved the psalmist from a tremendous grief, from a tremendous problem because his eyes from tears. And he says, my feet from stumbling. Don't kid yourself. You have a sinful nature and the devil uses that sinful nature to get you to trip up. Ooh, how come God isn't doing this for me during this coronavirus? He must be mad at me or maybe he doesn't exist. But God reaches down, picks us up, wipes that sin off us like a loving father picking up his child who's just wrecked on the bike. Says, let's try that again. God loves you and he's taking care of you. Be at peace. God is good to you. And so the psalmist says, I continue walking before the Lord in the land of those who are living. Not just I'm going to walk before the Lord and be before his throne in all eternity, but right now I walk before God. I've said in previous sermons as our society deals with the coronavirus here, there's many ways in which not hoarding things like eggs and stuff show I trust in the Lord. I'll take what I need for this week. But walking before the Lord means not being one of those people that they go to church on Sunday and they really put on a show of being a Christian on Sunday and the rest of the week you would think they were the opposite. It means every day of my life and your life, you know that God is looking out for you, taking care of you, that all of life is, and all of creation is being forced to serve your eternal good by God. And so... You continue walking before the Lord in the land of the living right now in this life. And so he says in verse 10, I believe when I keep on speaking, I've been greatly afflicted. Yes, sometimes it's hard for us because there's the one thing we see, this is miserable, this stinks, ah, oh, this is so hard. And yet while we're complaining about it at the same time, we can remain believers because we have a sinful nature and a new man. And so he says, I on my part said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. I think it's amazing the things our government has done to try to help expedite finding a cure, try to stop the coronavirus from spreading any faster. But you know, 
One thing I learned when my children were younger, there were times I'd say, I promise when we get home, I'll play this with you. And I'd get home and the phone would ring. Somebody was dying in the hospital. I didn't mean to, but I ended up having to break my promise. Human beings are like that. And if we trust and think that the government has promised they'll find a cure, it might not be in the time we need. If we trust in doctors and we say, this is such a gifted man, we may find this is the time he's going to let us down. Sometimes people don't mean to be liars. They promise and they have every intention. But when God promises something to you, such as the promise he made to you at your baptism, that you're his child, God means it. The name that's used for the Lord, as I already said, means God is dependent on nobody. Nothing can stop him from having his way and his will for you happen. And so be at peace. The Lord hears your prayers. Therefore, call on the name of the Lord and be at peace, for God is good to you. Even when he allows the straits of death and things like that to come upon us, he has something good in mind for you. Sometimes it may be to simply teach us to trust more in him. Sometimes it may be that we need to see that he's still taking good care of us. And so the psalmist looks at all the goodness God does, and we can only understand that through the eyes of faith. And he asks, how can I repay the Lord for all the benefits he's poured out upon me? The Hebrew there has a beautiful picture. God's benefits just showering down upon you like a spring rainstorm. And then he answers how he's going to repay the Lord. I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I said in one of my previous sermons recently that in the Bible, talking about drinking a cup in a metaphorical or proverbial way, what that means is you're taking all the contents down for satisfaction. We're not just Sunday Christians who hear the word of God and walk out and we're done being a Christian. To lift up the cup of salvation, you almost get the picture of somebody saying a toast to God and all of his goodness. But then they're not just going to sip out of that cup of salvation. They're going to drink it down until they're fully satisfied. That means knowing every day our sins are forgiven. Every day God is our father. Every day Jesus Christ is our God and our brother. Every day the Holy Spirit is living in our heart. Every day we long to hear the word, your sins are forgiven. Every day we're happy to confess our sins, miserable about our sins, but happy to confess them to God, not hiding them and knowing that God has poured his blood upon us and washed us. Every day we're happy to drink the cup of salvation, knowing even the miserable things that happen in life, we have a God who loves us and he's using them for our good. And yes, that means that ultimately we know that heaven is ours, which means we can face any problem in life with a grin on our face. And so he says, I will call upon the name of the Lord. Once again, I will ask God to do what his names represent that he does for me. I expect him to do them because he's my loving father and he's promised he'll do them. So he says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. Yes, indeed, in the presence of all of his people. Now you might wonder, what are your vows? We're going to get into that here in a minute when he talks in verse 17. To you I will sacrifice as a thank offering and I will call on the name of the Lord. The vows that were made are not what I call the outlaw's prayer, where the guy has robbed the bank and now the, the law's got him cornered in the box canyon. He says, Lord, I don't care much for you and you don't seem to care much for me, but if you get me out of this dilemma, I'm going to give half of this bag of money here over to the orphanage. That's making a deal with God to save you. The vows that the psalmist here is clearly talking about is saying, you've already saved me. You've already delivered me. My vow is to make a thanksgiving, not a bargain with you, but a thanksgiving. 
We make vows with the Lord. We say, Lord, right now we can't have church because we're trying to practice social distancing. But when the scare of the coronavirus is over, I am going to come to church again and give thanks to you. There's a vow. A vow we often don't realize we make is to say, Lord, I'm going to support the ministry of proclaiming your comforting word by giving an offering of my income. Not so that you'll give me your saving word, but out of thanks because I know you've given it to me and will continue. So he says in verse 15, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his committed ones. The Hebrew word used there often gets translated as saints or holy ones or even believers, but it's from the Hebrew verb for committed love. God has committed love for his creation even while we continue sinning, and sometimes many even spitefully deny his existence. He calls them to grace, calls them to know him as their loving God. But the ones who do, it's because he loved them first and he put his Holy Spirit in their hearts and now they have committed love back to God as their father, as their savior. And how interesting, he's been saved from death and yet he says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his committed ones. No matter what happens in this life, ultimately God is going to let us die. But it's precious for believers I've seen many a believer die from pneumonia and things like that and yet have absolute peace because they knew that they would close their eyes and the angels would carry them to heaven. Know that there is eternal life. Know that their bodies would be raised again as God has promised. And so in verse 16, the psalmist says, Ah, Lord, I myself am indeed your servant. I on my part am your servant, namely the son of your maidservant. You released my restraints. We've been released from the sins of worrying. We've been released from the pains and anxiety of this world because we know that God is ruling over all things for us. And the psalmist here is basically pointing out, my mother loved you. She passed her love on to me. She was your instrument in letting me know about you. And now I love you too. And it may seem weird for us to refer to the Lord as a servant. That hurts our American ears. And yet, God served us by taking on human flesh and saving us. Being a servant of God means being God's child. And therefore, we embrace his word. We love him and we share his word. So there he says in verse 17, To you I will sacrifice as a thank offering and I will call on the name of the Lord. We keep hearing that over and over again. I will call on the name of the Lord. I call on the name of the Lord. But here the thank offering is mentioned. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices primarily dealt with sin to remind people that they needed a Savior who would come and remove their sin. But there was an offering of thanksgiving you gave simply out of thanking the Lord for all of His grace and all the benefits He gives to you. In the New Testament church, we still have a thank offering, a sacrifice we give. We sacrifice of our labor when we volunteer to do things like shovel sidewalks when it snowed at our church. But we also sacrifice of our labor and our time and our talents by giving an offering that supports the proclamation of the Word of God, even helps empower missionaries to go to places you and I cannot go ourselves. We too offer a thank offering, not because we want God to be good to us, but out of thanks for all of God's continuing goodness. And so the psalmist says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord, yes, indeed, in the presence of all of his people. Not in a bragging way, but he wants everybody to know. Look at how good God is. And one of the ways of giving thanks is to tell others, especially in a time like this coronavirus, don't be afraid. Don't be in turmoil. You have a loving God. Let me tell you of his goodness. So he wraps this psalm up with verse 19 saying, In the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst of Jerusalem, praise the Lord. 
The great thank offering we give him is simply to tell others for his goodness and thank him for his goodness. And so we return thanks for all God's goodness. Jesus Christ is the author of life and he's the king of salvation and he rose so that we know that we too will rise. And whether it's a problem in this life that we, we're trusting, waiting for God to deliver us, whether we look back and see God has delivered us from other things, we can be at peace. The Lord hears your prayers. Call on the name of the Lord. Be at peace for God is good to you and return thanks for all God's goodness. And now God will fully supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.